Hello everybody, I hope you are all well. Deborah Harcourt speaking here. Um, and I must first of all apologize for my absence. Um, going to do regular podcasting um, was my intention, um, but life gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? And I really wanted to wait until I'd completed my summer reading, which as some of you might know, uh, was the essays and speeches of Loris Malaguzzi from 1945 until 1993, the year before he unfortunately passed away. And I guess the reason why I wanted to undertake that summer reading was to give me further insights into his thinking. So where did the schools of Regimilia start? What, what promoted them? What thinking were they doing, um, you know, back starting with Villicella and all the way through to the centres that they have now. So many things have struck me about the reading, but one of the things I would like to talk about today is around this notion of environment as the third teacher although my understanding is our colleagues in Regimilia will refer to it as context as the third teacher. So the relationship that children and adults together develop with the materials, resources and furnishings, which is really what I wanted to focus on today. So let's just have a little bit of a, a deep dive. And I'm going to start off with um, just a, a very, very short um, reading passage that um, is from page 229 uh, from the book of essays and speeches and one of the things that our colleagues in Regimilia did and obviously under the guidance of Loris Malaguzzi was to construct places and spaces for children that refuse concessions to home-like or childish spaces and one of the things that we often hear when we are talking to early childhood educators is that they're trying to create home-like spaces. But my reflection on that is, as I have discussions with early childhood educators in Australia, uh, recently in Malaysia where I have been this week um, and in other places, is if we're making the environment more home-like, it's almost as if the child is living in a home-like environment 24-7, moving as they make that transition from their home to school and back again. But if we can think about it as offering in early childhood settings more connections to the real world and this demands that we think more carefully about traditional practices in furnishing in environments for young children. And if we can think about, I'll go back to page 229 um, from the book, rather look at the places as expressing thoughtful approaches to a large atelier. So an atelier is, um, has emphasis as a place for thinking. Spaces that are partly organized and partly organizable, where play and work, learning and teaching, personal care, 
eating and sleeping, being together. Where adults and children can coexist with the, the physical environment as equal in value, reciprocally forming a unified fabric of experience. So as these relationships form with people, places and things within the early childhood context, we start to create what I think is a new culture or generate a new culture of how early childhood settings might look like from the child point of view, but also in the thinking of the adults who construct environments or co-construct environments to ensure that they are making connections or supporting children's connections to the real world. And I guess as I've looked through several websites of new services that are opening across Australia, they're all, for me, they all look very similar. They're all the same. They um, all have um, timber furnishings. They're all replicating, I guess, from catalogues similar things and I'm wondering can we give a little bit more thought to the kinds of environments that we are constructing for children so I'm wondering if we can disrupt this equilibrium about what constitutes appropriate furnishings and resources for children in early childhood settings I wonder if we can have a a dialogue and a conversation about well what what do these resources that we see in these new settings what are they actually saying to children about children and childhood so I'm wondering if it's possible for us to think about being very very purposeful in the kinds of furnishings and resources that we offer young children and wondering if it's possible if the furnishings in themselves could be a protagonist for children's thinking. And I visited uh, a lovely, very old centre in Manly in Queensland um, a few weeks ago. It's a kindergarten that has been in place for a very long time. And in one of the rooms, there is the original home corner furnishings that have been lovingly restored. And the kinds of stories that the children are telling about that furniture, and in some cases, for some children, their parents went to that kindergarten. And so there's some thinking around, well, I wonder what my mum or my dad played when they were in the home corner? What ideas did they have when they were in this home corner? And the, the furniture itself acts as a protagonist for thinking. There is also an, uh, a couple of centres that I work with in Sydney who are going through a very long change process. And over time, as they re-resource their centre, they're giving a lot of thought to the provocations of um, things like tables and chairs. So they're buying old tables and chairs, sometimes cutting them down so they're accessible to very young children, but sometimes also leaving them as 
um, adult size, particularly with uh, children who are three to five years of age. And the conversations that are going on now with children, particularly around a large dining table, um, are, well, I wonder what kind of conversations have happened here. I wonder who sat here. Were there children? Were there adults? Did the grandparents sit there? So these furnishings are now provoking conversations that are so rich and so meaningful for children and giving them an opportunity to, I guess, look back into history and, and the furnishings are suggesting to the child that there is a story, there might be a scratch on the table, there might be, uh, you know, a, a hot glass or cup might have sat there and I wonder what that is, I wonder who put that there and these conversations between children are extraordinary in terms of looking back into that history. So I would like us to think about the potentials of the furnishings and really begin to research the role of furnishings um, as closely as we do other aspects of our pedagogical practice. There is another centre at Kalanga, which is close to Brisbane, that has started a new tradition for birthdays whereby there's a beautiful tray with a beautiful tea set on it and up to five candles sit on the tray and the birthday child is offered a lovely lukewarm I might add cup of tea and they light however many candles there are and they sit on a table with a tablecloth and sing happy birthday to the child but then there's a discussion around the teacups because the teacups and the teapot are very old and I wonder who else has drunk from this teacup and I wonder if they celebrated their birthday with a pot of tea and who did they celebrate it with and did they sing the happy birthday song so again there's this beautiful tradition unfolding around birthdays but there's an opportunity here for the children to express what their thinking is around the past and possibly the future. So I'm wondering if we could begin to think about in, in early childhood a, a deep dive into the, the furnishings that we're offering children rather than the however beautifully designed they are, that they come out of a catalogue and they're brand new and they don't have a history to tell. It's really, I guess, the children are constructing a history around it from scratch. But I'm suggesting that if we begin to look at being sustainable and repurposing things, uh, there is a piano in one centre that belonged to one of the teachers when she was young. There's another centre that has a canoe in the outdoors which belonged to the director's father. And while th those pieces of furnishings and resources come with a history, the children can add to that history. So it's like a very, very long story of history that the materials are able to um, provide children. So in this way, I think... The uniqueness of each early childhood setting 
could be more evident rather than a bland recreation of something that I guess is seen as quality or is sold to parents as quality. But I think to suggest to children that we need to have a sustainable future, but also suggest to children and I guess suggest to educators as well, that there is a possibility here, a very rich possibility here for us to use materials and resources that gift children the possibility of a heritage, gift children the possibility of having rich and deep conversations about what, what has happened before with these materials. But also, I guess, this go, I'll go back to this notion of the furnishings themselves, the context, the relationship that the adults and children are building with these furnishings might be able to help us with new educational content, new inquiry, new possibilities, maybe new methodologies of working with children that include a strong connection to the materials and resources. So in, in this way, I think we might be able to support children in an appreciation of the past because the past is, or the distant past, is a very diff difficult concept for young children to connect with. But I think it's possible that the children can be co-authors and co-constructors of their knowledge of the materials that they're working with and they can add their own piece of history to it and it might be a made-up history that we don't really know who owned the furniture or who owned the teapot or who owned the canoe but the possibilities there to propose different histories for different materials and resources I think is is very interesting and I'd like us to perhaps have an ongoing conversation about um, th these possibilities and I guess for me it's really hit home not just because of the readings um, that I have been doing but I'm, I'm also thinking about what I see now and what is being sold as quality and I think there's some kind of faithfulness to traditions that we've always had child-sized furniture or um, that everything has to be small and we've, we're constructing institutions if you will for children and having everything that is down low and and I guess it comes back to the image of child as the competent and capable child and I remember clearly just a couple of months ago when uh, the teachers in one particular room had introduced an old dining table with, with chairs that none, none have been cut down. And there was a, a little person who was about three, two and a half, three, who climbed up on one of the, the chairs. And I think he sat there for probably 40 minutes just looking around because he was looking at his kindergarten from 
a whole new perspective. He'd never seen his kindergarten from up that high before. So these notions of multiple perspectives as well, multiple perspectives of history, but physically different perspectives when you can sit up high. And the opportunity for children to have a range of perspectives offered to them. I'm absolutely not saying that we shouldn't have child-sized furniture, but what I am saying is, can we think about the possibilities of these different perspectives coming together and not just hold faithful to an early childhood setting must have all small stuff and now it all must be timber, but thinking about the possibilities of repurposing furnishings that you might find in, a, in an op shop or, or you might have something in the garage or you're on one of the, the marketplace sites where things are a little bit cheaper. In a nursery classroom not so very long ago, I saw that a beautifully carved mirror um, that was down on the floor that had been part of a, a dressing table and it was down on the floor um, with some beautiful lights around it for the babies to explore. Yes, it was safe, it was, it was connected to the wall so it wouldn't fall on anybody. But just the children were fascinated with the shape and they were running their hands around the timber on the outside. So I think the possibilities here are enormous in terms of changing our pedagogy and changing the content so it actually connects more strongly to the physical environment rather than just seeing the physical environment as the third teacher, actually adding a rich context to the physical environment that is suggestive for conversations, that enables rich connect connections to the, the children's lives that they are living while they're in an early, early learning centre or an early childhood centre. And the joy of constructing those histories, whether they're made up or we actually know the history of the furnishings, I think is, is so terribly interesting and I think very important for children to have a school to go to, an early childhood centre to go to, where they can find and construct and reconstruct the rhythm of life, but it's connected to real things, not pretend things. And I think there's a great possibility here for us to actually really accelerate children's learning in their understanding connection to the real world if we actually offer them real world experiences, albeit in an early childhood setting. So I hope in this podcast that I've been able to offer you some snippets of thinking teasing out in my own head what the possibilities are, but also I'm very interested to hear from you what you're doing in terms of moving away from environment as the third teacher to a rich context so that the environment has, the physical environment is very reliant on the relationships that children develop with it, that the teachers develop with it. And I guess for me, a new notion is coming to my head around our colleagues in Regimelia, the reading that I've been doing. And I guess for me, they've become a really strong reference point because it seems that 
our colleagues in the work that they're doing in Regimilia, they legitimate, legitimate us questioning our own practices so that we don't approach our work and our environments with disinterest or distractions and we are not overly reliant on this new breed of early childhood which is everything is timber um, and everything comes from a catalogue. So I'm very interested to hear from you and I do promise that I will be back with another podcast uh, within the next two weeks. Um, happy Friday everyone and I very much look forward to talking with you again soon. Bye for now.